You're listening to My Evolved Life, a podcast that simplifies health and fitness and helps you maximize your life. My name is Vuna Nguyen, and I'm the creator of the Evolution Training System. We're so lucky to be living in the information age, meaning it's easier than ever to access information and find answers to any questions you may have. But isn't it confusing when you read information that's conflicting or worse yet, just sounds wrong? I'll be sitting down with industry professionals to give you clarity and leave you with tangible actions you can take immediately to improve your physical, mental, and psychological health. On today's episode, I had a conversation with Shane Yutzi about the importance of self-defense. We covered topics like situational awareness, the difference between responsiveness and reactiveness, and the importance of talking to your children about these situations. There's a lot to learn here. Let's get into the show. Today's guest is Shane Yutzi. Shane is a very specialized trainer, bringing to the world tactical safety and self-defense. Over the past 15 years, Shane has trained hundreds of peace officers, and he himself has trained with military and law enforcement professionals, along with martial artists, and now serves that knowledge through his police preparation program. And now, with the help of his wife, offers real-world self-defense through his company, Life Armor YYC. But most importantly, Shane is a husband and a father of a baby boy. With that, Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. So, self-defense, tactical safety. Yep. That is very, very specific. Let's start here. Let the audience know, how did this all begin? How did you decide to go into such a specific realm of training? Um, well, I have a, like you said, I have a background in safety. Um, I've been with Alberta Health Services, Protective Services for 15 years. Um, and the self-defense aspect of what we teach actually started through a dinner conversation. So, um, a couple of my wife's friends and I engaged in a conversation one night at a dinner party and within 10 or 15 minutes, there was probably 20 people involved in this conversation, which lasted close to an hour. Um, and you know, I stayed fairly neutral in the conversation, but I kept offering suggestions and tips. And the funny thing is, is on the way home, uh, my wife's friend said to me, this is a business. Like, you should, you should sell this knowledge. And I kind of thought she was crazy at first. Um, and then through further conversations with my wife, we decided to form a company. And here we are today. So, yeah, that's how it all got started. So... I love that first. Uh, I think self-defense is so, so important. Mm -hmm. But from the eyes of a professional, what is the most important thing about self-defense? Well, just understanding that simplicity is your best friend. The more complicated that you make this stuff, uh, the harder it's going to be in the moment to regurgitate the information and the the techniques. Um, So what we do is we keep it simple. Uh, Speed and aggression is always going to be your friend. Um, you know, not overthinking things in the moment, not getting overwhelmed with fear. Uh, so anything that you can do to simplify the interaction and, and be as aggressive as you possibly can in the shortest amount of time will generally get you out of, uh, of a bad situation. Um, before that is just situational awareness, thinking about where you are, who's around, um, you know, are you in a safe environment? Do you have escape routes? Uh, do you have friends you can rely on in the moment? And then being consciously aware of your own safety. Like, have you actually thought about defending yourself before? Um, You know, and that's what we tell clients when they come to us at first. It's like, you're ahead of the game because you're here getting training. You're consciously thinking about your own personal safety, which is huge. You don't want to be caught in the moment thinking, why me? 
because that at that point it's too late, it's too right? Late. So uh, being consciously aware beforehand, being situationally aware in the moment, and then keeping it simple um, if you get into a violent encounter. So you use a very key word there, and it also brings up one of my concerns. Okay. You use the term situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do? How do you bring that to light when nowadays we love to walk with our head yeah. down in our <laughs> phones? Correct, yeah. We might have it pressed against our ear. Yeah. We are just not paying attention. No, we're not. So it's important, yeah. but how do you bring that to light? How do you encourage somebody to be more situationally aware? Yeah, you're right. It's a, First of all, it's an overused term that's become completely watered down because a lot of people don't understand what situational awareness is. Um, And you're right, we're so busy nowadays, our heads are in our phones, we're distracted by our our world and how busy we are. Um, So a lot of times we have conversations with clients who first come through the door where we want you to consciously think about your safety throughout the day, but if you can even do it first thing in the morning and have some kind of visual or auditory cue that reminds you throughout the day to be safe. So whether that's you say something to yourself internally or you hold on to something or you have something on your clothing that reminds you of your personal safety throughout the day, that will help you stay consciously aware of your own safety. Um, Because you're right, we're distracted all of the time. So we kind of walk clients through that a little bit where um, we will remind them of certain things throughout their training that I want them to hold on to when they leave to keep reminding themselves of their situational awareness, no matter what situation they find themselves in. So It makes a lot of sense. It's just... Mm -hmm. Getting into that practice. Yeah. That's really it, right? It's repetition. It is repetition. Yes. Perfection by repetition. Yeah, exactly. So I know with self-defense, there still tends to be a little bit of confusion as to what it actually is. You know, is it karate? Is it martial arts? Yeah. What is your brand of self-defense? Yeah, so there, there's there's a lot of different avenues for, for folks out there to get self-defense. Um, historically, a lot of it has been based around a martial art, which is fine. Um, our brand is a little bit different. I do not have a martial arts background. Um, I have trained with martial artists, and you know, you're always kind of cherry-picking little things that you think would work. Mm. But our system overall is based on a few things. So um, I've spent time with uh, military and law enforcement personnel, Um, All of our training is done close quarter. We don't do a lot of things at distance because if you have distance and you have time, you should be evading and escaping, not waiting for the person to get close to you. Um, So a lot of our stuff is just based on what's inherently already in you. Um, There's certain safety mechanisms that are built into the brain and the body that will come out in a moment of violence or a threat. You just have to know how to harness it. So a lot of times what we do is we just take those human movements um, and we kind of reform them a little bit and show you how to transfer them into a tactical system. But again, we keep it extremely um, simplistic. Gross motor movement and speed and aggression. If you have to think about what you're doing too much, where there's too much like wax on, wax off and stuff like that, it's it's analysis by paralysis. You're, You're so overwhelmed with fear and anxiety, you can't remember, what did that guy tell me 24 or 36 months ago? We want your brain and your body to continuously move forward in the interaction where you're not having to to overthink things and keep asking the question why. As soon as you are confronted with a violent encounter, whatever that situation is giving you, we want the brain and the body to continuously be moving forward. So if that's just simply a couple of quick strikes to create a window of opportunity for you to escape, then that's what you should be doing. Right. So So, so when you say that, Mm -hmm. I interpret it as 
you want to operate not so much on knowledge, but on instinct. Yeah. It just becomes built into you. Yeah. Yeah. So you said a little bit that we have it inherently in us. Mm -hmm. So are you referring to our fight, fight or flight? A little bit. Mentality? Yeah, a little bit. So there's, there's obviously um, deep down inside every one of them, there is a need to protect. So there's certain things that uh, when your sympathetic nervous system is triggered that your body will do to protect you. So for instance, I have a two-year-old son at home. Um, and when he was really young, if we dropped something on the floor and it made a loud noise or he heard something loud, his hands and his arms would come up to protect his face. I didn't teach him that. I wish I could say I did. But right. it, those are just things that the body will react to an incoming stimulus or a loud noise. So with that in mind, why would I take that away from you? and try and reprogram you. So we're gonna use those inherent instincts and just teach you a little bit of how to tweak or manipulate those instincts into more of a tactical platform. But again, keeping it very simple so that in the moment, everybody can do it. Because the, the biggest thing is we don't need you to come in with a certain set of skills, okay? Right. You can have ton of skills or no skills at all, and we can still teach you in a fairly short amount of time how to keep yourself safe. Um, but we need you to harness that certain level of aggression. I can't teach you to be aggressive, but it's in there. I just have to pull it out of you sometimes. Some people are just inherently more aggressive than others, mm. um, but sometimes you just kind of have to pull it out of people a little bit, but it's there for it's sure. There. Yeah. Because you mentioned your son, mm -hmm. let's, take the, let's stay there for a sec. Okay. Um, one of my, again, concerns is that, especially with children, mm -hmm. boys are taught to be brave right. and, and what have you, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, maybe issues around that sure. when it comes to needing self-defense sure how do you nurture that his, uh, you know how do you nurture that instinct that he has to protect himself um, without the burden of hey you know you're a boy mm -hmm. you got to be brave mm -hmm. like, what do you do with that well I agree I think there's there needs to be a larger conversation around masculinity um, with future generations and you know my wife and I've had this conversation we want to be careful with that right I don't want to teach my son how to fight um, but obviously I think a certain set of skills if he got into a situation where he needed to defend himself would be important but the same would be said if I had a girl I, I, I don't I wouldn't teach different things to a different gender here's the set of skills that I think you need to have if you find yourself in a bad situation but you don't go looking for it. Um, and this is not about fighting. We tell clients this all the time. If you want to learn to fight, there's multiple avenues for you to learn how to fight. What we're doing is we're trying to avoid danger and conflict. But if you find yourself in those situations, we want you to create a window or an opportunity of escape, not stand around and fight with somebody because that's not what self-defense is about. You didn't go looking for it. You didn't ask for it, but you found yourself in this bad situation. So, um, the same could resonate with, with my son or, or any other uh, adolescents, because we do get some kids who come in, their parents who bring them in or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of bullying that unfortunately happens in school these days, whether it's psychological or physical. Um, but it's important for them to understand that this is not about fighting, okay? It's not about you becoming the bully. This is a set of skills for you should you need to use it. Um, and I th you do kind of have to be careful with, with males because there's a certain level of testosterone course, and aggression that's kind of built in. Yep. Um, so just for him to understand um, psychologically why it's important to defend yourself or defend someone else when you know it's wrong, right? So that difference between right and wrong, 
um, and kind of building into him good morals and a good conscious uh, navigation system. So, but it's a challenge, right? I mean, I was a young boy at one point too, and right. you know, we we get into scrapes and fights and stuff like that. Um, so y- you have to be careful for sure. Yeah. So you treat it like a skill, just yeah. like any other skill. You yeah. may or may not use it all the time. Correct. But in the event that you need to, yeah. it's there. Yeah, yeah. We we teach it like first aid and CPR. Right. You know, nobody ever wants to have to use first aid and CPR, but we all want to know it just in case. Self-defense isn't any different. Um, with first aid and CPR, you're not a doctor, you're not a nurse, you're not a paramedic. You're trying to weather the storm of whatever that is in the moment until help arrives or you can ret- retreat from that situation. Self-defense isn't any different. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the interesting thing about self-defense is it doesn't have an area code. It doesn't know what gender you are or any of those things, right? So whether you're traveling, you're alone, you're a male, you're a female, you're whatever ethnicity you are, sexual orientation, like we don't care and neither does it. Violence doesn't care no. what your background is. No. It just, it presents itself and you're either ready for it or you're not. So, um, you know, and, and that's the conversation that we have with clients when they come through the door. Like we don't care about all y- this stuff that you are bringing with you. We're here to help you. Right. So. You're right. Violence does not discriminate no, whatsoever. Exactly. Not at all. Let's give the viewers a very tactic, tactical or practical example, if you will. Okay. When we think self-defense, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people think dark alleys at night right. and you know other environments like that where you're, you could be naturally a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. What are some examples of just everyday situations where, you know what? It's good to be a little bit situationally aware. Mm-hmm. We we have, or I more specifically, have conversations with clients and just the general public all the time where um, they're going through their daily life. And I mean daily life, like going to work, uh, riding elevators, getting in and out of their vehicles, um, being in their home by themselves. And these are not scary situations you find in movies. These are everyday parts of life where their instincts have triggered Uh, maybe several times a day, thinking, am I safe? Is there something wrong? What's going on here? Um, So, yeah, you're right. That's, again, back to kind of that stigma or the the gimmicky part of of self-defense that's around. Um, It doesn't matter who you are, what part of the city you live in, what your occupation is. Bad things happen to good people, unfortunately. Um, I'm a little bit more privy to that information just in my line of work and and who my my friends are um and it's not about making people afraid or preaching fear um but sometimes you could just be going to work or going to the grocery store or you know fill in the blanks and something bad happens to you just because of the circumstance and situation um is there a an increase in percentage of you finding yourself in a bad situation based on certain things sure so i always ask clients what do you do for an occupation and it's not because i'm trying to put them in a box, but let's say, for instance, you're, you work alone as a home care nurse, or you're a realtor, and you're showing mm-hmm. homes to strangers, basically. Does that potentially increase your percentage of being in a bad situation? Sure, I, that's just the reality of the situation, but it doesn't have to happen in a in, you know, darkly lit parkade or down an alley, because I think most people inherently have enough situational awareness where they, they would stop and go, I don't think I should proceed um, or I hope they do anyways. Um, so yeah, it just, it happens to, you know, 
domestic situations, for instance, right? Like you get into a relationship not knowing that potentially down the road something bad could happen to you. And it's just an unfortunate reality of, of society that we live in. And, you know, the other unfortunate reality is that the majority of our clients are females. Um, you know, they come to us with a background story, you know, right. um, you know, whether that's sexual violence or uh, psychological violence or anything of that nature. Sometimes they don't tell us and sometimes they do. Um, and my goal is to not only give them the skills to feel more confident, but to psychologically help them repair. I can only do so much, obviously, but it helps for sure. I can see the progression in their confidence. They vocalize and verbalize to me that this is helping. And that's, that's a huge win. That's why we got into this. Um, those are the rewards that, you know, go unseen, I suppose. So. That's very powerful. What I took away from that is, you know, you're not trying to induce a certain fear, but it's also a healthy reminder that we don't live in some utopia where things are perfect, right? And really giving people that confidence Mm -hmm. to move forth and know what to do when they get into uh, that situation or have their backs against the wall, so to speak. Yeah. And that that comes with... um like a good coach or a good trainer, and it doesn't have to be self-defense. It can be anything in life that you're, you're learning a new skill. If you have someone who can build your confidence as you go, you're just going to inherently get better at whatever the skill is that you're learning. Uh, and that's, that's my goal is to make you not a false sense of security or a false sense of confidence, but to make you more confident along the journey. And it could be, you know, a couple of sessions a couple of months we've had clients for multiple years so regardless of how long you're with us for um i want you to leave better than when you came in the door that's the goal for sure yeah so when you think about self-defense is it purely physical or is there a little bit of a verbal component as well yeah it's multi-pronged it's physical it's verbal it's emotional it's psychological there's a lot more science behind self-defense, violent encounters than I think people really understand. And we have to kind of walk the line a little bit Mm -hmm, uh, with mm -hmm. that. I want people to understand why self-defense is important, the science behind it, the legal part of it, and why you're allowed to use it to defend yourself. Um, But you can't turn it into like a lecture seminar or people (laughs) kind of zone out a little bit, right? So they need need a little bit of both. And there's certainly um, the physical side of it. Is there a benefit to being fit and healthy if you found yourself in a violent encounter? For sure, absolutely. Is it imperative? No, because um, we always talk about does size matter in a fight? Yes, it does. That's yeah, why yeah. there's weight classes in professional fighting, but it doesn't determine the outcome of the fight. Of course, you do, right? If you if you you know are not asking the question why you're you're saying not me, not today, you'll move your brain and your body forward for sure. If I am the victim Mm -hmm. and my back is against the wall Mm -hmm. is there a verbal component to that yeah um there's there's two thought process behind verbalization obviously you could be creating an audience and bringing people to the situation that could help you for sure Mm -hmm. um there's also the component of exhalation of air during striking and things like that you generate more power um and there, we want you to tap into kind of that animalistic side. So a lot of times people don't remember what they did or what they said during times of stress or, and anxiety, especially in a violent encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want you to be silent. We want you to be verbal. We want you to be vocal. It will channel more aggression. But again, it may potentially bring a bystander in to help you. Um, 
don't count on it because not everybody will help you. Hopefully they will. But um, there's a huge component to being verbal during any kind of situation. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that you teach a lot of this through your courses and your trainings. And short of getting physical and doing a reenactment, it might be tough to do this on camera. But let's stick to the verbal. Are there certain things that you would recommend a person say? Not necessarily, because I don't want them, again, to get to overthink what's happening in the moment. Uh, Obviously, the louder that you are, the, the better off, right? But if you're just simply screaming and yelling... Um, like lots of times, you know, you've, we've always heard in the past, like if you say fire, people will come running regardless of whether there's a fire or not. That may or may not be the case. Um, but just getting very loud um, and, and creating a scene, especially if you're out in public, uh, will help with a number of things. But as far as like what to say, don't overthink that. kind. Don't, you know, oh, what was I supposed to say in the moment of being attacked? Like just... Again, get physical, get aggressive. Act on instinct. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And verbalize something. Um, but again, if you don't, don't worry about that either because some people just get so overwhelmed with fear they can't speak. Um, but as long as you're physically doing something and not retreating in the moment, then you're ahead of the game mm. for sure. We've talked a lot about self-defense. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the other side. Uh, let's talk about the tactical safety. Okay. What is tactical safety? Uh, well, it, so for us, it's those individuals um, in the general community that want to get into law enforcement. Um, So we have a police prep program, depending on where you are in your process, so you're either um, doing your A-prep or physical fitness exam, because there's different ones across the country, uh, or you've already passed that and you're now in the selection process. So if you're pre-A-prep or physical fitness, then that's our goal, is to get you to pass that physical fitness component of of the induction process. If you're past that, then we work on all your tactical skills and abilities. And that can be, um, you know, kind of almost like a self-defense, like how do I physically defend myself? We work on handcuffing, um, ground fighting, knife defense, weapon retention, um, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So that's not fun. Who it's beneficial for is those folks that are not coming out of some other kind of law enforcement background or enforcement or security work. Um, so members of the general public that are doing a complete shift in their career and have never done this kind of stuff, they want to be more prepared. They don't want to go into their 27 weeks of training, never having touched a baton or handcuffs or have any idea of how to defend themselves. So they come to us. So we get them more prepared. They're going to get a lot of the same tools and skills in their training, but they're so much better prepared for it. So it gives them a leg up. Exactly. Gets them prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So let's speak about both self-defense and tactical safety. Mm-hmm. Short of going to Shane or somebody like Shane, if some, if an individual just wanted to get a little bit of a leg up mm-hmm. and prepare themselves, could they do that? Uh, could they do so at home? If so, what kind of resources are out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, just actually sitting down and thinking about what would I do rather than burying your head in the sand, you're, you've started. Um, there are things, obviously, online not all of it is good information, but I mean, you, there are certain resources out there. I think if you want to do a search and you start uh, looking, whether that's literature or online videos or whatever, um, find a coach who is, is very upfront about the information that they're teaching and keeps it simple. Uh, if you start watching a video and they're doing complex 
whether that's uh, fine motor skill driven defense techniques, move on to the next video. Because unfortunately that stuff doesn't work in the moment. A lot of times you don't have the space to do it and you won't be able to regurgitate it um, unless you've been doing this stuff for 20 years, which most people have not. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there, there's definitely resources out there. But again, having the conversation with yourself, having the conversation with your family, specifically your children around what would they do, um, that's a good start. Um, is there a substitute for actually going and finding a reputable trainer and doing the drills and skills? No. Um, that's the best way to learn. But I would say do your research, do your homework, um, and just someone who is telling you the truth and keeping it simple is probably going to be your best bet. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to kids. Okay. I think uh, you mentioned before that, yes, when it comes to self-defense, a lot of women. That, that's the yeah. first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. But kids are also... Absolutely. Uh, they're just, vulnerable. They're right? vulnerable. We yeah. want to protect them the sure. best we can. Yeah. How do you draw that line between letting kids know that, hey, look, things can happen mm-hmm. without crossing that line and just Scaring making them, them afraid yeah. of yeah. everything? Yeah, it's hard. Um, we haven't quite gotten there because our son's not quite at that age. He's pretty much with us all the time. Um, but any of the clients that we've had, I have, I have really open conversations with their parents. And what I find is that the more open the parent is with the child, the, the more um, malleable they are in training, right? They, they just, they come with a better sense of what they want to accomplish in the training. Um, and I ask parents this all the time, like, how do you, how do you have these conversations? How do you bring your child to training and not scare them? And, you, you know, a lot of the responses I get are it's, it's a scary world. We don't sugarcoat things. Um, you know, we want our kids to be safe. So we're just upfront and honest with them. And they find that the reaction from their child is that they're not scared. They're prepared. And there, there's a huge difference there, right? So having those open conversations with them doesn't scare them. That's the feedback that we're getting. Um, so I think for most parents sitting down and having an honest conversation that there are bad people in the world that will take advantage of you Mm -hmm. when you're younger, when you're older, um, when they feel you're vulnerable, uh, those are just important conversations to have. And and again, the feedback that we're getting is that it's not scaring kids. It's just making them more prepared. They're, they're open. They're asking questions, which is always good if a child's asking you questions. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there is the scary conversation happening. I think it's just more of a preparation thing. So, Right, right. Is it just me or is don't talk to strangers just the best practical advice, whether you're a kid or an adult? Uh, as a kid, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for parents and kids is routine and, and pre-planning. So... As soon as there's something outside of that child's routine, they immediately know that this is off, something's off, right? Um, and not all strangers have bad intentions, but a child should never find that out the wrong way or the right way. Just assume that mm-hmm. you know an adult uh, has the ability to take advantage of you, and you don't want to put yourself into a bad situation. So, um, you could say the same thing for adults. So, what often happens is. Adults don't trust their instincts because of societal rules or norms these days. We don't want to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. So we get onto elevators with people that we, when the doors open, we're thinking, well, I don't think I should get on the elevator, but we do it anyways because that person might be offended. Who cares? 
Um, perfect example of that is several years back, I was walking down the, the sidewalk and there was a lone female on the same side of the street walking towards me and she ended up crossing the street, maybe 20 or 25 feet in front of me. And my initial reaction was to get offended in my head. And that sat with me for you know, 20, 30 minutes and then I suddenly realized, wait a second, no, th that's what you should do. If there's something about me that you don't like the look of or you're getting some kind of strange feeling, and maybe it that wasn't that, she just crossed the street for whatever reason, but the way I interpret it was that she didn't like something about me, then that's exactly what you should do. If the elevator door is open and there's some guy or girl on there that makes you uncomfortable, don't get on the elevator. If you're going to your car, um, if you're going anywhere really, and something inside you is saying, this is bad, I should not proceed, then you should listen to those instincts. There's an excellent book by Gavin DeBecker called The Gift of Fear. He wrote another book called Protecting the Gift About Children. Um, and Gavin talks about those. That he's done a bunch of research, he's talked to victims who all said the same thing. Before it happened, I knew something was wrong, but they proceeded anyways. So we need to get away from some of those things, especially with our children. If you feel like something's off or wrong, find an adult you trust, don't proceed, um, fill in the blanks, right? So, but with kids, there should be some kind of structure. Um, you know, you're going from point A to point B. It should take you this long. This is the route. Every person who's involved in your life from an, the adult side should know that route that you take. Um, I guess the problem with that to some degree is if someone is watching you, they know your routine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, short of, um, you know, breaking from that to try and avoid danger, the unfortunate reality is, is that the adults who do care about you won't know where you are right. if you don't follow that routine path. Right. Um, have a set number of people who are not your parents or guardians who can pick you up at certain places. I know from personal experience, my parents uh, had a code word with my brother and I. So if someone came that wasn't in our group of, of people that was allowed to pick us up, we asked them what the code word was. Great. And if they didn't know it, we weren't getting in the car. Yeah. Um, so just little things like that. But again, I think having the honest conversation with our kids when they get to an age that they can maturely understand those conversations, um, around stranger danger. Okay. So mm -hmm. yeah, just don't trust people that you don't know as a child. That's just, it's an unfortunate reality of the society that we live in. Not everybody is out to, to be a nice guy. So, so the systems are really, really important. Just sure. putting that, those systems in place, mm -hmm. again, not from the perspective of inducing fear, no. but the more predictable it is, it mm -hmm. helps both the child and the parent. Absolutely, yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit. You said something very, when you were telling the story about the girl across the street, mm -hmm. we, one of our biggest problems is we care too much about what other people think. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So you see somebody that you don't trust in the elevator. Mm -hmm. What does this he or she think if I choose not to get on with them? Mm -hmm. Who cares? Yeah. You know, who cares? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's a hard habit to break though, right? It, it, it is. Yeah. It is. But eventually we have to get there. Mm -hmm. Now to develop on that, you said that the majority of your clientele are women. Mm -hmm. I believe or I assume that the reason that men don't pursue self-defense is a little bit of that bravado for sure right yeah oh i don't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't want to appear weak i don't want to seem weak to my peers mm -hmm. do you think that's why oh 100 um i have conversations with males around this stuff all the time and two things so it's either that stigma that bravado um what are my friends going to think or the flip side of that is oh i would just know what to do yeah 
really? Cops gonna punch him in the face. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, you have no idea what you would do until you find yourself in that situation. Now, some some males have gone through a bunch of stuff where, yeah, physically, emotionally, mentally, they would be better prepared, um, but a lot don't. They just assume that they would turn into Chuck Norris in the moment, which is not realistic, right? Um, but yeah, I, I had a recent uh, male client who was very open about his situation. He got attacked in a bar. Didn't want to learn how to fight, but wanted to learn how to defend himself. And again, I'm very conscientious of that line. We will not take clients that are just looking to go start fights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a vetting process for that. Um, but he was he was very uh, open with me about the situation, but also that he was hesitant to seek out the training because of what people around him would think. So he hadn't told anyone. Um, they were all very aware that he got attacked. Yeah. Um, but he had not divulged to them that he was seeking self-defense training. And that's his prerogative. I didn't try to change his mind. Right, but right. Um, that, that stigma is very much alive and well. But it's two sides. It's I don't want to be seen as weak, which is ludicrous to it me. It is, yeah. And I would just know what to do inherently in a bad situation, which is also false. Um, I mean, I've been doing this stuff for a long time, and there's no guarantee that I would freeze or do the wrong thing, um, whatever. Like, everyone's human, right? We all make mistakes. We get overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. Um, I hope that I would do the right thing, but um, until you're actually in the moment, regardless of what your gender is or your background or whatever, you don't actually know how your your psychological and, and physiological changes and, and how you're going to get your brain and body to move forward until... And th- that's... What we do is we try to replicate those situations right up to the edge of my insurance won't cover this and this is not moral to take you into the back alley and actually get into a fight with you we can't do that obviously but uh, we do our best to replicate the real thing in a safe environment to get you as prepared as possible so uh, we don't do a bunch of shadow drills Uh, I don't teach you fine and complex motor skill driven techniques I wear a protective suit where we do what's referred to as force-on-force drills because I move like a human being. I grab, I strike, I change my level of attack like a human being. So you need to figure out through the course of our interaction how to problem-solve what I'm doing. If I'm grabbing you here, if I'm trying to punch you there, what do you do? Um, So what that does is it sets up, hopefully, enough of a file folder system that if you actually got into a bad situation, you've seen it before. And you've at least had to figure out or problem solve those situations in in a safe environment. So right. So, just like anything else, mm-hmm. don't leave it up to chance or yeah. fate. Correct. In a relatively uncontrollable situation, do the best you can yeah. to have control. Yeah. So we do live in a very reactive world Mm -hmm. where we like to wait until things happen whether it's with health fitness or otherwise we wait for things to happen and then we react to it Mm -hmm. unfortunately in this situation should you get your back up against the wall if you're not prepared you don't have a chance to react no so there's a huge difference between reacting and responding reacting is whatever just happens to to come out of you in Mm -hmm. the moment could be wrong could be right Responding is a trained or learned or um, built up response. And it's usually the correct one because you've seen the situation before to some degree. You know what to do. You've thought about it. You've trained it. So there's a huge difference to responding and reacting. We want people to respond. 
Now that could be removing yourself from the situation. Mm-hmm. So you have good conscious and situational awareness. You see something, you feel something, you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going forward. That's a response. It's not a reaction, right? It's a thought process. You're making a good, good decision. If I take your ability to escape away from you, I still want you to respond to the incoming problem, not just go and do something and hope it works. Um, now in saying that, if you're doing something, it's better than doing nothing. So even if it's not being effective immediately, it's still something. What we don't want people to do is to retreat and become victimized. One of the first things I do with people is um, I stand in front of them, I have them put their left or their right hand out, and I just take them by the wrist. Not super hard, but I kind of grab them by the wrist. Now, there's a bunch of different ways to defeat a wrist grab. They're, They're based on fine and complex motor skills, and that's not the stuff we teach. But the first step is... What do you do when someone grabs you? And most people's reaction is to tug or to pull their arm away because mm-hmm. we, we want to create distance. We want to separate ourselves from that person. So there's a psychological conversation happening there. I picked you for a reason. I picked you because I think you're a victim. And I've, this is a power play. It's a power move to grab a hold of someone, right? So if you start to pull away and tug away and retreat, my brain is thinking, perfect. I picked the right person because mm-hmm. they're showing mm-hmm. me victim behavior, mm-hmm. right? Um, how would we change the conversation if you slammed an elbow into my throat and a knee into my groin the minute that I grabbed onto you? Not only are you doing something physically to deter my my behavior, but psychologically you're changing the conversation. Because I'm suddenly thinking, oh, this was the wrong person. I found a challenge when I was looking for a victim. And maybe that makes me let go. Maybe it doesn't. But it certainly changes the probability of the outcome here at this point, right? So that's what we want people to do is, is, is think about what's happening, analyze it really quickly, get your brain and your body moving forward, and change the psychology of the conversation that's happening between the predator and the prey. Unbelievable, Shane. That sounds... That's what we do. Unbelievably important. Mm-hmm. So let's take an opportunity here. Okay. And talk about life armor a little bit. Okay. Do you specialize in one-on-one trainings, group trainings? How, how does that work? Yeah. So the majority of our self-defense training and our tactical safety training is one-on-one. The reason for that is um, lots of times, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, is clients have a backstory, especially with the self-defense, and they're not comfortable coming into a group setting. Fair enough. Completely understandable. Uh, whether they share that with me in the moment or not doesn't matter. Um, I still... I treat every client as if there is a backstory, so I'm very consciously aware of, of PTSD and things of that nature where they could have a triggered event during training. Um, but we do offer small group training as well. It's generally for friends, family, coworkers, people who already know really, each other yeah, yeah, sure. and are close enough to experience those things. Because there's a certain uh, intimidation to this stuff. People don't want to feel like they're not good at something or be embarrassed by what they're doing. You gotta put all that stuff aside. When every client comes through the door, we start base level. I don't I really don't care what your background is. If you I ask everyone if they have some kind of tactical skills or abilities background, have they taken martial arts? Great. Maybe from a biomechanical standpoint, you're ahead of the game, but what I'm gonna teach you, you may have never heard before. So I just want you to be a student. Um, so we start everybody at a very base level and then we work them up to what I feel is the proper level of skills, abilities, mental toughness to go out and replicate it in the real world should they they uh, have to. Now, in saying that, it's a perishable skill. If I don't see you for X amount of time, 
are you going to forget and lose some of those things for sure? Is that repetition, right? Yeah. You lose that repetition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll have clients that come back, but we don't have to start at base level. Mm-hmm. We just kind of start where we left off. Um, so yeah, I, the majority of our clients are one-on-one. It gives me an opportunity to spend more time with them, teaching them rather than having to kind of show somebody something and then quickly move on to someone else. So the one-on-one is definitely kind of our bread and butter for sure. I'm excited for that. Good for mm-hmm. you. That yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah, we're excited too. So what is next for Life Armor? Next. Um, there doesn't well, have to be anything. No, we uh, we are definitely... So I've, I've made a personal change recently with my, uh, with my work. Um, I'm no longer spending as much time with Alberta Health Services as I was before. But it's going to give me the opportunity to um, spend more time taking on more clients, getting out in the community, doing things like this, um, collaborating. Um, so we have big dreams and hopes for Life Armor in the next, uh, you know, 18 to 24 months for sure. We really want to propel our company to uh, the top tier of the product that we offer in the city. Um, there's nobody like us in Calgary. Yeah, you can find other self-defense, but as far as how we approach this topic, there, there really isn't anyone else like us. Um, we have a partnership with Renegade Training Company where we do all of our training out of. Um, so my goal is also to help them um, level themselves up here in the city. So lots of stuff's on the go. I'm, I'm excited for the future, for sure. Just nonstop, nonstop. Yep. And beyond all of your tactical skills, you're just a good guy, Shane. Thanks, buddy. So I'm super happy to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here. So for somebody who's looking for Life Armor, how do they, how do they find, they find you? Uh, well, we're obviously all over social media. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can email us, info at lifearmoryyc.com, or you can email myself, Shane, at lifearmoryyc.com. Um, and then generally what we do is I'll have a conversation with you via email and then bring you in for a consultation just to kind of get to know you a little bit better and for you to get comfortable with me. Um, if during that consultation you don't feel like I'm the right trainer, then all good, right? Um we can certainly hook you up with someone that we might think would be a better option for you. Um, but I want the client to be comfortable, right? This is something that, that could be very personal to them. So meeting with me, sitting down, figuring out what their goals and expectations are is really important to us as a company. Mm. Um, so we make it as personal as we possibly can, right? We're not just bringing hordes of people in, collecting their money, and then hoping you know we never see them or nothing ever happens to them again. We stay connected with a lot of our clients, um, and we make, we make it a family experience regardless of who's coming through the door. So, yeah. I'm really excited for this next so answer for this next answer. Okay. If, if somebody is living an evolved life, yes. what does that look like to you? Um, wow. Good question. I would say, um, being open to growth. So I'm almost 40. I've been doing this a long time, but I'm constantly learning. And it doesn't matter who I'm learning from. Um, You're not in my business, but there's things that I can learn from you. Um, Regardless of who I interact with throughout the day, there's always something to be learned and to expand your own self on that information. So I think evolved or evolution means that you're not stagnant. You don't stay in one spot, whether that's physically, mentally, or emotionally. There's always room to learn and to grow. Um, So I never want to shut that part of me down and think that I've risen to some pinnacle where I'm just like, okay, that's it, right? I'm done learning. 
I figured it all out because that's I want to be doing that until the day I die. Like I think there's just so there's so many avenues and ways to grow from different people and different experiences. So that for me, that's living an evolved life. I love that answer. And preparation, being prepared is part of that growth. Absolutely. Yeah. Shane, that was excellent. Love that conversation. Awesome. Definitely want to bring that to light. Self-defense is not that self, not something to scoff at. No. And as we said earlier in the show, violence does not discriminate. Does so not. No. get yourself prepared. Absolutely. Shane, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of My Evolved Life. Guys, if you found any value at all, and I'm sure you did, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, or you want to be a guest or recommend a guest, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at EvolutionVN. Oh, if you think your friends would enjoy this podcast, please make sure to share it with them. Until next time, live your evolved life.